Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Came home from a ministry trip this past spring, and um, I opened my luggage, and then I found out it had been searched. Um, This notification was in my suitcase. Notice of baggage inspection. To protect you and your fellow passengers, the Transportation Security Administration, TSA, is required by law to inspect all checked baggage. As part of this process, some bags are opened and physically inspected. Your bag was among those selected for physical inspection. Whoopee! Thank you very much. During the inspection, your bag and its contacts may have been searched for prohibited items. If the TSA security officer was unable to open your bag for inspection because it was locked, the officer may have been forced to break the locks on your bag. TSA sincerely regrets having to do this. However, TSA is not liable for damage to the locks resulting from this necessary security precaution. We appreciate your understanding and cooperation. This morning, your baggage has been selected for inspection. The baggage of your past. God is looking for some prohibited items. Things maybe we haven't fully dealt with in our past. Or dealt with them in the right way. God may even have to break some locks this morning. To bring things to mind that we've locked away. We've stuffed down really deep. God wants us to understand, though, and he wants our cooperation. He wants us to understand that this is for our own safety. This is for our own security. This is for our own well-being. See, everybody carries baggage from our past. Every single one of us carries baggage from our past as we travel through this life. And some of that baggage is really heavy. Some of that baggage is really big. Now, you're here as a young person. You don't remember luggage without wheels, okay? Bags used to be really heavy. Lugging them around airport. How many of you remember that, okay? Yeah, luggage without wheels. You young people are spoiled, but anyway... And, and, and it's, it's burdensome and it's heavy. Well, you know what? Some baggage from our past is really heavy. And it's really hard to carry and it hurts. And some of the baggage from our past is really awkward. We're talking about the baggage of bad decisions. That comes with guilt and shame and regret. We're talking about the baggage of deep wounds, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. We're talking about the baggage that has left scars, sometimes physical scars in our life, whether it was health concerns, accidents, abuse, sometimes financial scars, failed businesses, Ways we used our money we should have never used it. Emotional scars. Failed relationships. 
Scars maybe we carry of unfulfilled dreams. College or a university that we never attended. College or a university that we never finished. A business that never took off. Children we were never able to have. Goals that never happened. A happily ever after marriage that never was. Life stinks sometimes. And life stinks when you gotta lug all this baggage around. And it's heavy, it's hurtful, it's painful. Life sometimes stinks and that's the series that we're in. We've covered toxic relationships and stressed out and broken hearts. And, and, and if you missed any of those messages, I just want to encourage you. They're for free on our website. Just get them. Uh, the podcast is there. You can also order the CD set. If you want a CD set of them, just sign up out there and we'll make those for you. But today we come to baggage. And, and my prayer has been all week long is that God is going to help us unpack these bags and he's going to lighten the load of our life. And, and honestly, he's going to renew our hope. Because we live in a world that's hopeless. But there's hope in Jesus Christ. And there's hope in our God. Now, this is going to be a topical message. We're going to see a lot of different passages and a lot of important truths and, and a lot of promises of God. Okay? And, and, and I want you to understand, each of the main points could be its own three-week sermon. <laughs> So I'm not going to be able to go into depth with all of these, these verses, although I, I want to. And, and some of the points and some of the verses will apply some more so to some people than others, okay? Um, and you may be here today and you have a lot of baggage and, and you're really hoping this message is going to do everything for you. You know what? You may need more time to unpack some of the baggage. And I just want to encourage you. We have people here at the church that can help you. We, we have people trained in biblical counseling, if you'd like that. And we have free biblical counseling in our church. And, and we have Celebrate Recovery as well. We have a lot of different ministries. So we, we encourage you if you, you want to go a little deeper after this message as well. But, but let's start unpacking our bags. And here's, here's the first thing. Great news. This is number one. No baggage is beyond unpacking. Isn't that great? Say it with me. No baggage is beyond unpacking. Say it to the person next to you. No baggage is beyond unpacking. And you may be looking to the baggage that you... No, that's not it, okay? <laughs> One of the first things I do when I get home from, from traveling is I bring my suitcase in, I open it up, I take all my dirty clothes out, and I put them right in the wash. And for some of us, we've been traveling through this life accumulating a lot of dirty laundry. And it's been piling up and we've been lugging it around. And you know what? Some of us here this morning, we need to do some laundry. Desperately. You know, I get done with running and I run and then I run another day and my, and my wife's like, whoop, man, would you wash that stuff? For some of us, we've been accumulating some dirty laundry and it's time that we get some wash done. It's time to confess some sin to the Lord. And maybe it's more recent sin, like sin you committed this past week that you've been holding on to and you haven't confessed it. But for some of us, it's weeks and months have gone by, maybe even years, that we've not repented. We've not come to God and asked him to forgive us. Here's the great news. Every 
Sin is a forgivable sin before God. There is no sin that any of us have committed here that is beyond God's ability to forgive. And some of you need to hear that. Because you think your sin is so bad that God could never love you. You're wrong. You think your sin is so bad that that God could never forgive you. You're wrong. You think the baggage of your past, there's no way God wants to open this up and deal with this. You're wrong. Every sin is a forgivable sin. We need to call on him. I want you to see this. This is called a prayer of David in Psalm 86. For you, Lord, are good, say it with me, and ready to forgive, and abundant in loving kindness to who? To all who call upon you. Just just leave that verse up there and take it apart with me right now. He is a good God, present tense, good right now, and has always been good and will always be good. And he's a forgiving God. He stands ready and willing right now to forgive you of every and any sin you have ever committed. And he's a loving God. It says abundant in loving loving kindness. That means there's this limitless supply of God's love. It's an unending supply. You cannot use up the love of God. Ephesians 3 says that that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What What is the breath And what is the the length? And what is the height? And what is the depth? And to know the love of Christ, which what? Surpasses knowledge. It's unbelievable, this love of God. And so we have this good, ready to forgive, loving God. So what should you do? Call on him. That's what it says in Psalm 86. To all who call upon you. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He stands ready to help you unpack your bags. You don't have to lug that sin and shame and guilt and regret around anymore. He says, let's unpack it. I love you. Let me help you. Would you let me forgive you? And so call on him. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Unpack this verse with me. If we confess, so there is a choice we need to make. Are we going to be proud or are we going to be humble? Are we going to make excuses for our sin? Are we going to own our sin? If we confess, are we going to open up the bags of our dirty laundry and say, God, here it is. Here it is. I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? He says he's a faithful and a righteous God. He's faithful to his promises. He's righteous to his promises. And by the way, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That's how faithful your God is. He's a forgiving God of our sins. He's a cleansing God of all our sin, all of our unrighteousness. So call on him and confess to him. But there must be true repentance before him. Not just a simple regret. Not just a, oh, I'm in a sorry. Oh, yeah, I made a mistake. No, there must be true repentance. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David after... He had committed adultery and after he had committed murder. And this is what David 
shows us about true repentance in Psalm 51, the first four verses. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. This is the sound of true repentance. There there are no excuses for his sin. He blames no one else for his sin. He calls sin, sin. In, In this Psalm 51... He says, it's my transgression, my iniquity, my sin. I have sinned. I've done what is evil. There must be true repentance in order to experience true forgiveness. And he calls out to God asking for the grace of this loving God and the forgiveness of this compassionate God and this cleansing of this all-knowing, all-seeing, blameless, holy God. He recognizes first and foremost that he has sinned against heaven. Yes, he sinned against other people, but he has first and foremost sinned against God. This is true repentance. See, honesty is a necessity. If you're going to unpack bags, honesty is a necessity. Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. We don't don't hide our sin. We don't excuse our sin. Unconfessed sin will find no favor and no blessing from God. That's what Proverbs 28, 13 says. He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion past two days, Friday and Saturday, we had the biblical conference here, counseling conference, fantastic time. If we do it again, I just want to encourage you, sign up. It's fantastic. Anyway, so I'm walking around at one of the break times, and I see this guy wearing a St. Louis Cardinal sweatshirt jacket thing. And I I go up to this guy, and I start talking to him about his sin, and um, (laughs) and about his his need to repent. And uh, we laugh, and And the next day, he's not wearing it. And I said, I see that you've repented. (laughs) You've forsaken your sin. And he's not walking around in it anymore. That's what it means to forsake your sin. I don't live that way anymore. I don't walk that way anymore. I've confessed my sin, and I have forsaken my sin. That's true repentance. We don't hide it. We don't excuse it. And by the way, it's never worth hiding our sin. It never works out for us. David, again, teaches us how, how miserable life gets when we hide our sin. Psalm 32.3. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah, pause. He says, pause, think about that. Your sin is not worth hiding. 
takes too great a toll on you mentally. It takes too great a toll on, on you physically. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity. I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah, pause, think about that. He says, I, God, I came to you with this suitcase full of all my sin and my shame and my guilt and I opened it up and I said, God, forgive me. And ah, oh, what a difference it made. It'll make a difference in your life. Don't carry that baggage around, stop it. It's going to affect you day and night, and it has been for some of you. It's been affecting your brain. It's been affecting your body. It's been affecting you emotionally. It's been affecting you physically, and for some of you, for years. That's what it was for David. At least a year has gone by since his adultery and his murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. A year of trying to hide his sin, holding his sin. It's been killing him in the inside. Mentally and physically. Confession and forgiveness. You know what it does? It lifts the weight of sin. You can breathe again. I go to the gym. Work out sometimes. And I'll see some guys in the free weight area. I'm wimpy. I do the little machines. (laughs) Once in a while you'll see one of these big guys. Big strong guys. And they're laying on the bench. And they're lifting that weight and all of a sudden (laughs) and what do they need right away they need a spot and they call over big strong pastor Scott (laughs) lift it right up and then the guy's like (gasps) you know some of you here have been trying to lift the weight of your sin it's killing you And God just says, let's talk about it. Let's confess it. Let's get it behind you. Let's let's breathe again, child of God. Let's let's breathe again. That's what confession does. It just just lifts the weight. See, See, don't hide it. Don't excuse it. Don't deny it or lie about it. The bookends of 1 John 1, 9 are 1 John 1, 8 and 1, 10. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the other bookend. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, this is self-deception and self-deception has to stop. Call your sin, sin, and confess it to God. Because if you don't, you're just continuing in self-deception, and in so doing, you are calling God a liar. Because God says this is sin, and you say it's not sin. You've just called God a liar. And verse 10 says, not only have you called God a liar, you've told God his, his Bible, his word is full of lies. You're denying his word because his word calls it sin and you're saying it's not sin. Stop calling God a liar. Stop saying the Bible is full of lies. It is sin what you've done. Confess it to God. How do we unpack these bags? Number one, no baggage is beyond unpacking. Secondly, fully embrace a dirty past made clean. 
Say that with me. Fully embrace a dirty past made clean. You know what it's like when you go into the laundry room or you take clothes out of the dryer, those warm, clean clothes. And, and I know what I do as I think, <sighs> I just hold those warm, clean clothes and they feel so good and they smell so clean. Can I tell you, forgiveness is like that. Forgiveness is so refreshing. When your dirty past, your dirty clothes have been cleaned by the blood of Christ and you have been forgiven and it is so refreshing and warm, there is freedom in forgiveness. See, if you've called on the Lord and you've confessed your sin to the Lord and you've repented of your sin before the Lord and you've forsaken your sin before the Lord, man, how refreshing, how freeing. Some people... Some people ask, well, is this the same thing as learning to forgive myself? Well, don't you understand there really is no verse in the Bible that says we must forgive ourselves? Please understand that. What we do is we embrace God's forgiveness granted to us, and we find freedom in that. that that's what we find. Now, we have some great illustrations in Scripture talking about our sins and what God has done with our sins. Here, here's one in Micah chapter 7. The Lord reminds Israel, who is a God like you who pardons iniquity? Verse 19, yes, you cast all their sins where? Into the depths of the sea. I, I grew up on the ocean. I grew up on the Atlantic Ocean. I grew up going deep out in the Atlantic Ocean. Can I just tell you something? You drop a watch or a phone overboard when you're out in the Atlantic Ocean, you think you're getting it back? It ain't coming back, people. It's gone. You know what God says? I've dropped it out there. You don't even know where I've dropped it. It ain't coming back. Your sin is gone. For you who've come to know Jesus Christ and asked forgiveness of sin and repented, it is gone. Someone said, God cast our sin in the depths of the sea and he put up a no fishing sign. It's gone. Don't go looking for it. Don't be, don't be living in your past. What else? We have a great illustration in Psalm 103. Where, where's our sins? Verse 10. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's called mercy, not treating us as we deserve. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear us. That's that limitless love again. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The east never meets the west. They're gone. You could say he's removed our transgressions from us. He's removed our baggage from us. That's what he's done. See, when the airport loses our baggage, it's very frustrating. When God loses our baggage, it's exhilarating. God has lost your baggage. It's lost and there is no found. It's gone. Depths of the sea, far as the east is from the west. How is this possible? Because our sins have been nailed to the cross. That's why. Colossians chapter 2. Having forgiven us. How many of our transgressions? All our transgressions. Every sin you have ever committed in your life. Or will ever commit. Having canceled out. Having forgiven. Having canceled out the certificate of debt. Consisting of decrees against us. Which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way. Having nailed it where? to the cross, having forgiven us, having canceled, having nailed it to the cross. 
First Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin, live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Forgiveness of our sins is based on payment of our sins. Forgiveness of our sins is based on the payment of our sins. And Jesus paid for my sins. That's why I can be forgiven. Jesus paid for your sins. That's why you can be forgiven. Jesus, very God of God, second person of the Trinity, becomes one of us as a man, perfect man. Like us, but holy as a substitute for humanity, you and me. And he takes all of my sin and all of your sin and he dies on the cross paying the price so that I can be saved and forgiven, so that you can be saved and forgiven. Listen, it's not enough just for Jesus to pay for your sins. You must receive the gift of salvation. You've got to ask God to save you. You've got to ask him to forgive you. He has already paid for that gift. Now you need to receive it. And so you may be here today and you've not come to faith in Jesus. I just want to encourage you. God in his sovereignty has you here because he loves you. He knows all of your sin already. He died for all of your sin already. And he will forgive you of all of your sin. And so I want to encourage you to call out to God and ask him to forgive you. He will. And ask him to save you. He will. And even at the end of the message today, I'll just lead in a prayer. It's not a prayer that saves you, but your faith in him. Call out to him. Let's continue to unpack this baggage. No package is beyond unpacking. Fully embrace a dirty past made clean. Here's the third thing. Stop allowing your past baggage to define you. Say that with me. Stop allowing your past baggage to define you. Say that to the person sitting next to you. Stop allowing your past baggage to define you. Your baggage doesn't define you. It's been unpacked, sorted, cleaned, and forgiven. You are not the same person. You have a new identity. So stop walking around with past baggage defining you like this guy. Stop that. Or like this guy. That's his past. Some of us walk around everywhere we go with our past showing. Always thinking about our past. Always talking about our past. Your past is past tense. Stop walking around with your past. Paul understood past tense. And he spoke it fluently. I want to encourage you to be able to speak past tense fluently. Galatians 1.13. You've heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, Paul says, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. He did not have a nice pass. As a matter of fact, he stood and watched Stephen being stoned to death. 1 Timothy chapter 1, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, do you realize Paul never introduced himself though? I am a persecutor. 
I am a blasphemer. He didn't live in his past. This didn't define him. Paul introduced himself three main ways, 11 different times in 10 different epistles. Twice he said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Eight times he said, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. Once he said, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Everything revolved around his relationship to Christ Jesus. Everything. It was Jesus who died for him, Jesus who forgave him, Jesus who saved him. That's his new identity, is Jesus. Your identity is with Jesus, not your past sin. You who are believers in Jesus Christ, your identity is found in Christ Jesus, not your past sin. You may say, well, what about recovery programs, 12-step programs? Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. It's a good question. I asked Lynn Schilling about this. Uh, Lynn is our director of Celebrate Recovery here at the church. And by the way, Lynn has been sober for 37 years from alcohol. Isn't that awesome? So I, so I asked Lynn, I said, Lynn, how do you introduce yourself? She said, this is what I say every time. Hi, my name is Lynn, and I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm in recovery from alcohol. There is a difference there. She first identifies as a believer in Jesus Christ. Second, she mentions her recovery from alcohol, offering hope to new people who are still struggling. And it helps her stay grateful for what God saved her from. Paul does the same thing. He says, I, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a violent aggressor. He stays grateful. But sin of our past does not identify us. Our relationship with Jesus Christ does. So, so who are we? Who are we in Christ Jesus? What has he done? Let me give you some things to focus on. Focus on the new creation. You're a new creation. Many of you know this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17, say it with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Therefore, if anyone, including all of your baggage, is in Christ, you're a new creation. Not only do you have a, a, you're a new creation, you have a new position. This is such a great passage. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. If you are a part of any of those sins, you're not going to heaven. Thank God for verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. That's what it's about, friends. He says, you've been washed. Your baggage has been washed, you who are in Christ. You, meaning you've been cleansed, you've been forgiven, you've been saved from. And he lists off a bunch of sin. He lists off a bunch of sexual sin. Fornication. Sex before marriage, outside of marriage, adultery outside of marriage, homosexuality, same-sex sex marriage or uh, relationships. He talks about you who've stolen, you're thieves, you're drunkards, you've abused alcohol, you've lied. He says there's all kinds of sins out there, and Jesus can forgive you of all of them. See, we've got a culture in which we live in that wants to make excuses for all kinds of sins. 
What we need to do is help them understand Jesus can save them from those sins. And by the way, the Bible is full of saved sinners. Some of you have seen these lists. Let me, let me just read part of one. Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah was a rebel. Peter was a lying denier. Zacchaeus was a thief. Paul was a persecutor and murderer. And God used these people in amazing ways. If God can save them and forgive them, God can save you and forgive you. And if God can use them, God can use you. Don't be without hope. He says, you've been washed, you've been sanctified. Back to 1 Corinthians. That means you've been set apart to be holy. You've been set apart to live a holy life. And then he says, you've been justified. That means you've been declared righteous. This is mind-blowing. We who are so full of sin and unrighteousness, God says, I declare you totally 100% righteous. How is that possible? Because Jesus paid the debt of our sin and righteousness of our Lord Jesus was credited to our account. That's what it is. Romans 3.26, so that he would be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 4, therefore it was also credited to him, he's talking of Abraham, as righteousness, credited, a financial term. Now, not for his sake only was it, uh, was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited. As those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgression and raised because of our what? Justification was credited to our account the righteousness of Jesus, and we are now declared righteous. We are justified because of Jesus. Nothing of our own, all because of him. We're new creatures. We have a new position. We have a new goal. Paul looks back on his past at one time in his life. And all the things he did in his past that were good, trying to gain the favor of God. And Paul concludes it was all worthless And at the end of the passage in Philippians chapter 3, this truth stands out. We don't live in the past. We don't live in the past. We don't live in the past. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We don't live in the past. And some of you walk around living in the past. Living in the past of bad decisions, living in the past of things that were done to you, living in the past, we don't live in the past. We look forward. And he says, forward to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you let go of your past, the good deeds you were trying to do to gain God's favor, as well as the sinful things, all of your failures. You let go of the past, you you stop the pride of your past. Thinking I was pretty good. No. You, you stop the pity of your past. The sinful things. The shameful things. And what do you do? You look to the future. He says the goal. That's the finish line. Of a runner. Is the illustration. This race is one day going to end. On this earth. We look to the finish line. We don't look back there. When I run races, I run, I run races. 
I, I don't look behind me. I'm like, I can't wait to get to the finish. We stay focused on the finish. And then he says it's the prize, the prize of Christ's likeness, the fullness of glory and the presence of our Savior. And, and it's the upward call of God, ushered into the presence of God in heaven, crossing that threshold in heaven where rewards will be given out and we will be with our Savior. So no baggage is beyond unpacking. Fully embrace a dirty past made clean. Stop allowing the past baggage to define us. Now, we've, we've worked through our baggage and God helping us with confession and repentance and forgiveness. What, what about those people in our past who stuffed things in our bags that we never asked for? What about those people? What about those people who brought pain into our life? We never asked for them to put that in our bag. What about those people that, that brought abuse into our life? Sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse. Well, I never asked for them to put that in the bag of my life, and I've been carrying it for years. I, I never invited that hurt for them to pack it in my, my suitcase of life. This brings us to our fourth point. We've got to start unpacking the pain caused by others. Now, this is not easy. And these bags can be really heavy and hard to unpack. But what we've got to do is we've got to learn to forgive those who don't deserve our forgiveness. And right away, I've just lost some of you. There's no way I'm going to forget that. And you just zip that bag right back up and kept it back there so you can stay bitter and angry for the rest of your life because that's been helping you out so much. How? How can we learn to forgive somebody? Well, one of the best ways is to remember all that God has forgiven us of. Ephesians chapter 4 starts with verse 29 Starting with verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment. So right off the bat, let's think about this passage as the unpacking process. Stop speaking bad about them. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit with how you speak about them and your attitude toward them because it is not glorifying to God. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Stop the anger, the bitterness, the slander. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. He says, it's time for a change of attitude. And you've got to stop what's bad, and you need to start being kind and tender-hearted. And then he ends it with, forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Did God have to forgive you? No. Could God speak bad about you all day, every day? Yeah. He sure could, and he'd be justified in it. Does he? No. So, Part of learning to forgive others 
is to remember how God has forgiven us. Remember the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Here's part of the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we also have, say it with me, forgiven our debtors. Verse 14, you drop down a verse. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Oh, it gets pretty serious. The word translated debts also means sin. So it's not just finances. Understand, this, this is moral and spiritual debts that he's talking about, sins. And he talks about forgiving others. Forgiving others, we need to understand, is a mark that I have truly been forgiven. The ability to forgive others is a sign that I understand God's forgiveness. And I've received God's forgiveness. So we who've experienced the forgiveness of God can and will learn to forgive others. Now it's interesting, the Greek word for forgive, you know what it means? Hurl it away. Throw it away. In other words, throw it out of your baggage. Throw the bitterness out of your baggage. Throw the anger out of your baggage. Throw all that out of your bags. And stop carrying it around. Because that makes life stink. Not only does it make your life stink, it makes your life sick. Someone said holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You got to stop holding on to that. So forgive as God has forgiven us, Ephesians. Learn from the Lord's prayer to forgive. How about Jesus' parable of the king? The king whose slave comes to him and begs for forgiveness. And the king grants it. And then the slave goes out. Part of the story here, verse 26 of Matthew 18. Slave fell on the ground, prostrated himself before him. Have patience with me, I'll repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion. Released him. Forgave him the debt. That's what God did with us. Slave went out. Found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Seized him, began choking him. Pay back what you owe. Can't believe what you did to me. Fellow slave fell to the ground, began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me, I'll, I'll repay you. He was unwilling, went and threw him in prison till he should pay back what he owed. So the, when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, then deeply grieved, they came and reported to the Lord what had, all that had happened. And summoning him, the Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. In other words, you better forgive people and you better mean it when you forgive them. You better not keep a record of wrongs. And you better not be bringing it up in their face all the time. Reminding them what they said. Reminding them what they did. And oh yeah, I've forgiven you though. But do you remember? You never forgave them. If you're a person that keeps record of wrongs. And you keep bringing it up to your wife. And keep bringing it up to your kids. And keep bringing it up to your parents. Keep bringing it up to your coworker, keep You didn't forgive. You're a wicked slave. And you've not forgiven as God has forgiven you. And Jesus says, don't you dare forget how I forgave you. 
That's how you need to forgive other people. Now, here's a good question. What about those who don't ask for forgiveness? What about those who've hurt you that don't even want your forgiveness? Can we forgive them? Should we forgive them? It's a good question. I think a couple things here I want to point out. One is we must honestly recognize that a relationship can never fully be restored until there's repentance on their part. It's never going to be right until they understand the wrong. Just like our relationship with God can't be right until we what? We repent of our sin and ask for forgiveness. And so if someone has really deeply hurt you, that relationship's never going to be right until they recognize that hurt and truly repent. But what do we do in the meantime? What we do is we reflect the mercy and grace of God. That's what we do. Matthew 5, and 45 teaches us this. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, I say to you, say it with me, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know what he's teaching here? You show common grace to those who've repented as well as those who've not repented. You give a common grace and we act like our heavenly father and we love them and we pray for them. We don't hold grudges. We don't attack them. What do we do instead? We bless them. Romans chapter 12, 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone and respect what is right in the sight of all men. In other words, take the high road, not the low road. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. It's written, vengeance is mine. God's in charge. He knows how to handle the situation. Leave it in his hands. I will repay, says the Lord, but if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. That's the common grace. For in so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So do these good things, common grace toward them, and this goodness God can use to impact them and bring about conviction, the burning coals. So reflect the mercy and grace of God. What else can we do? We can stand ready to forgive. Be ready to forgive. In other words, pray for them to come to repentance. And, and, and for some of us here, you may be dealing with a person that doesn't even realize they did you wrong. And you have all this bitterness and hatred toward them and they don't even realize it. What, what should you do? You should go talk to them. Matthew chapter 18, and you go in private. You don't put it on social media, can you believe they did that to me? You don't tell all your friends, can you believe that coworker did that to me? You go one-on-one, -on -one and you say, hey, can I talk to you? I don't even know if you realize this, but that was really hurtful what you said, or really hurtful what you did, or maybe it's something way deep back in your past. They know what they did, and you need to talk to them. They've totally forgotten about it. But maybe that's where you need to start. 
but you've got to stand ready to forgive. Remember Jesus on the cross in Luke chapter 24, Father, forgive them for they do not know what? What they do. Stephen was being stoned, killed, rocks being thrown at him, and he's dying in Acts chapter 7 verse 60. And he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. By the way, did God answer that prayer? Yes, he did. Because Saul will repent of his sin and become the apostle Paul, and he was standing there while Stephen was being killed. So you can pray for people to come to repentance. So so pray for them to come to repentance. Also pray for a willingness in your own heart to grant them forgiveness. Because some of you here today, I'm never going to forgive what they did. I'm never going to forgive what they said. And there's a deep pain and struggle in your own heart. And I want you to understand, as God is working on them, I believe God is also working on us. As God is working on them, God is also working on us. And he does amazing things. Sometimes we just have to pray for the right time for God to do something in our own lives. There's an individual I know, he just, this person's very mad at me, in my opinion, for no good reason at all. And I've just been praying for God to bring about the right time. I'm out on a run in the middle of nowhere. Haven't seen this guy for I don't know how long. Guess who's coming right at me? I just like, Lord, you're so good. Stopped, was able to talk with him, see how he's doing. And then I prayed with him. Now, things are not totally fine, but you know what? I've been in prayer about it, and God answered that prayer. God does those things. So be, be in prayer, be in prayer. Now, speaking of God working, this past Wednesday, there was an 18-year-old young man, Brant John from Dallas, took the stand to talk about the murder of his 26-year-old brother, Botham. This is Brant. Botham, his brother, was murdered by police officer, Dallas police officer Amber Geiger, one year ago, September 6, 2018. She walked into his darkened apartment. He was sitting on the couch eating ice cream. She said, show me your hands, and then shot him two times, once in the heart, and killed him. And all we know is that she was on the wrong floor with Botham's apartment, Botham's apartment directly above hers. Botham, by the way, was a worship leader at his church. Botham's family are believers in the Lord. When Brant, his younger brother, took the stand, he said some remarkable things to this Dallas police officer who shot and killed his brother. Here are some of the things. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even on behalf of my family, but I love you just like anyone else. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. He then turned to the judge. 
He said, I, I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug, please? Please? Judge Tammy Camp said yes, and Brant Jean and Amber Geiger embraced in the courtroom for nearly a minute. Sobs were heard throughout the courtroom, and Judge Kemp could be seen wiping tears away. Judge Kemp would later come down from the bench, also hug Amber and give her her own Bible and say, this is where you should start reading. No baggage is beyond unpacking. Fully embrace a dirty past made clean. Stop allowing past baggage to define you. Start unpacking the pain caused by others. And one last thing, if possible, unpack the pain that you've caused. Because you know what? People have packed things in our bags, and sadly, we've packed things in their bags. We've made mistakes. We've hurt people. A couple quick verses. Matthew 5, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, you did something to them. Leave your offering there before the altar. Go first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. In other words... Make this a spiritual priority right now in your life to help somebody else unpack their bags. Something you did to them, said to them, you shouldn't have done, you shouldn't have said. Go to them. Make amends for any mess you've made. We see this with Zacchaeus, that wee little man up in the tree. Chief tax collector, thief, Jesus calls him down. These are the words of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. He stops and said, Lord, behold, Half of my possessions I'll give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give back four times as much. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Restitution for some of us may need to be made. You've stolen something from somebody. You need to pay it back. Make peace a priority. Psalm 34, 14, seek peace and pursue it. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, you be at peace. You do everything in your power to make peace. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with how many people? All men. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. I was traveling through downtown Oswego about a week ago, and oh man, they changed the speed limit and... I get pulled over and I decide to take a picture of Officer Lawrence in the car back there and yeah, he pulls me over. But he let me go. He was a nice guy. I prayed for him and I invited him to Life Stinks. If you're here, Officer Lawrence, thanks for coming. <laughs> um, I want you to understand we need to be just like Officer Lawrence. But we don't pull people over who've broken the law. We pull people over whom we have hurt. And we say, I'm sorry. And we approach their car, we approach their life. And we say, I did this. See, we need to be peace officers, is what we need to be. And we need to go about pulling people over in our life whom we have hurt and start making peace with them. And for some of us, it needs to start in our marriages. We need to pull our wives over and say, I'm sorry. 
Pull our husbands over and say, I'm sorry. Pull our ex-husband over and say, I'm sorry. Pull our ex-wife, ex, and say, I'm sorry. Pull our kids over. Pull, pull our parents over and say, I'm sorry. Pull our co-workers over. Let God use you to be a peace officer. And let's make peace. This is how we start unpacking our bags of the past. Let's say them together. No baggage is beyond unpacking. Fully embrace a dirty past made clean. Stop allowing past baggage to define you. Start unpacking the pain caused by others. And if possible, unpack the pain we've caused others. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.